All right, so we're going to go ahead and continue on with our brand spanking new series. I knew that naming it brand spanking new would work really well for like the first week of the series and okay for the second week of the series. But I also knew kind of by the, we're at the third week of the series and next week we'll have the fourth week of the series. Uh, it's getting a little strange to call the old series brand spanking new, but it is called brand spanking new. We've been kind of talking about what God wants to do in us uh, and, and, and kind of this idea of the change that God wants to bring and the growth that God wants us to bring uh, kind of our verse, our main text for the series has been found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's a wonderful verse. It says this, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And over the last several weeks, we've talked about kind of what those things are and kind of how they work into our lives. We've, we've kind of looked at these ideas and we talked about them. They've been in your notes every week. They'll be in your notes next week. But there's this idea, the theology or theological words for this change that God wants to do in us. So this, this brand spanking new idea is, is regeneration and sanctification. We've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to spend a, a huge amount of time on this, but we've talked about how the idea of regeneration is something that happens at, at, at salvation. It's something that God does in us, that basically we are changed, that the old is gone, the new has come, he gives us a new heart and a new life, and, and, and all these sort of things happen, and they happen in a moment, when we accept Jesus into our lives and into our hearts, and we accept that love and grace and forgiveness, God in his unbelievable love and grace and mercy just changes us from the inside out, it's this kind of immediate change that takes place with him doing it, and we kind of just accept it and enjoy it, but also there's this idea of new and brand spanking new that we've kind of focused a little bit more on, which is this idea of sanctification. Sanctification is this progressive work. It's this work that we talked about last week that we cooperate with God in as we become more and more holy and more and more like him. And, and this idea of sanctification is kind of a partnership. It's a cooperation that we have with God and it takes time. It's not something like, like regeneration where it happens immediately and it's done and it's gone or, or it's, it's done and then you you just move on. This is something that is a process. It's a journey. It's something that quite honestly won't stop until we all go see Jesus, whether that's as a group or as individuals. So it's a process that we partner with. We talked about last week this, this idea that we either cooperate with God in this or we don't. You know, and I started thinking about it kind of this week and, 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 and it's sometimes it's fairly easy to see those that are cooperating in their sanctification and those that are not cooperating in their sanctification, you know? Because God wants us to become more like His Son. He wants that fruit of the Spirit that we talk about so often in Galatians to be evident in our lives and a part of our lives. And that sanctification process is kind of what begins to bring these things out. Well, this morning what I want to look at is I kind of want to spend a little bit more time talking about this idea of being changed kind of how we can kind of also partner with God in that. We talked about last week about, you know, the, the spiritual disciplines a little bit. We specifically talked about Bible reading and the, our Bible intake, and, and I think that's good. But I want to kind of expound on that, and I want to use a verse uh, in Isaiah to really help us to see a little bit more of kind of boots on the ground, application, what we can do in this process with God, partnering with Him to allow this sanctification process to really take hold and be a part of our lives because again this isn't something that you can be like okay I'm going to do this for the next couple months or the next couple weeks and then I'm done this is something that you're going to do as long as you're breathing 
And what I found in my life and a lot of other people's lives is these are things that kind of go in circles or, or patterns and things like that. And so as we look at these things, we're going to be able to see kind of how God wants us to be becoming changed and, and how this idea really kind of begins to take place in our hearts and even some pitfalls that we need to be aware of because the enemy, the last thing the enemy wants is you to grow. The last thing the enemy wants is for you to become more and more like Jesus, which in a lot of ways, as we talked about in the past weeks, that idea of sanctification is bringing us to that place. So we're going to be in Isaiah. We're going to be looking at two chapters, excuse me, two verses in Isaiah 43, and then we're going to break them down. We're going to look at them as, as uh, you know, in, in sections and really kind of see what God would want us to see about these things. So if you have your Bibles, it'll also be up on the screen. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 43, starting with verse 18 and verse 19. This is what he says. He says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to open your word and to look deeper at what you want us to see and understand. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, Father, to what you want to communicate to us this morning. Father, whether we're here right now or we're watching this uh, at our home or, or watching it later on this week, Father, I pray that whenever the individuals that hear these words, Father, that they would take them to heart, allow them to transform them, transform their thinking and their minds, their actions, and that their sanctification would continue to take place uh, through these words and through what you want us to see. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So like I said, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. We're going to break this scripture down together. We're going to look at these things and take them and then we'll look at the end. We'll kind of bring it all together and kind of with some application and things like that. So the first part that we look at when we see uh, Isaiah 43, starting with verse number 18, is this concept of God wanting us to remember not the former things. Remember not the former things. Now, here's what I've learned in this process of sanctification, in this process where we are trying to become more and more like Jesus, which technically means that we're going to be less and less like ourselves. It's like John the Baptist says, I need to, uh, he needs to increase, I need to decrease. And a lot of times we have a problem with that. That's kind of one of the issues that we have with the sanctification process that God wants to do and the change that God wants us to do. We, 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 we say we want more of God, but we really don't want less of ourselves, okay? But to do this the right way, the way that God wants it to be, that means there's going to have to be a little less of Aaron, but a little bit more of Jesus, which is a good thing, okay? That is not a bad thing. That's a good thing, but sometimes it's hard to do that. But a lot of times, one of the pitfalls that I find in my life and in others when we deal with this idea of being transformed and sanctified and all these things is we can't let go of the former things. Now, those former things could be lots of different things. The former things could be ways that we've lived, ways that we've responded to people, it could be things that basically have happened to you or things that you have done to others. A lot of times I've had people come to me and say, Aaron, you don't know what I have done or you don't know what has been done to me. You see, in this process of being brand spanking new, God wants us to understand that those things, whether they have been done to you 
or you have done them, that those things are now in the past. It's interesting that our verse here in 2 Corinthians is this idea of basically the, the, the past has been gone. The past has been removed. That idea of regeneration is this idea that God says basically, I am making it all new again. The problem becomes we have a hard time letting go of the things that have happened to us or that we have done. We sit there and say, yes, I understand the concept of being new. I understand the concept of being brand spanking new. But Aaron, you don't know what I have done. I can't do that. I can't have this situation. Why? Because of what I've done. Or, even more sometimes painfully, what has been done to me. The problem with that is that it goes somewhat... It's a problem because in some ways, God wants to say, listen, to be able to continue to do what I want to do in you, and we're going to see this as we continue on in these verses, it takes us at times being willing to not remember the former things. In Isaiah 1.18, God helps us to see a little bit more about what he wants us to understand when it comes to these former things. Look at it with me, Isaiah 1.18. Come now, God is speaking here. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. What is, some of us have heard this verse before. What is the picture that we are trying to see here? What picture is God wanting us to understand? Well, here's what's interesting to me about this verse. God could have used a lot of different ideas for the idea of red and white, but he uses some particular ones here that I think we need to notice, okay? Keep it up there if you would. So we have this idea of sin and scarlet and then white and snow, okay? Now, what's interesting is God keeps this idea right in front of our face of this idea of scarlet. Now, at this time, when you would see something that was scarlet, Typically, what you would see is blood, okay? You got to remember, like, most people at this time, like, dyes and colors in their clothing. I mean, that's rare. That's, that's royalty. That's expensive. So they're not seeing a lot of color. There's, you know, there's a lot of in the clothes that they would wear and things like that. They're, they're very khaki and brown and, and things like that. Plus, they would get dirty very easily. They didn't have nice washing machines where they could get things white as snow, Okay? So they're seeing red in blood, and they're not seeing white, white, white. But they are seeing it every once in a while when they would climb some of the mountains and they would see this idea of white snow. But then God continues. Listen to what he's doing here, okay? You need to put yourself into the mindset of the hearers of Isaiah 1 and 18. So then he continues. He says, there, though they be red like crimson, so again, we get this deep red, almost blood color, okay? Now he goes one step further. He says, they shall become like wool. What has wool on it? You say, I have a wool sweater. Where'd the wool come from? Sheep or little lambs, right? This time of year, you, you go maybe to a website you like to buy clothes from, or maybe in the store. Oh, isn't this a lovely lamb's wool sweater? 
And so they get this idea of, of white from the lamb. Isn't it interesting that God in this moment, the picture that he gives them is this idea of white purity snow and a lamb. The lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You see, we read this scripture at times and we go, wow, look what God has done. He, he, although my sins were crimson, although my mistakes were massively easy to see, God somehow got them white as snow and white as wool. Listen, that didn't happen on accident. That happened because the cross is spoken. And so one times when we forget that, we forget the ultimate price that was paid for you and me. Listen, why is it so important that we forget the former things? Because at times when we remember the former things, we give them preeminence over the sacrifice, the forgiveness, and the grace that we have received. We basically say this, yes, my sins, my mistakes, what has been done to me was red, and even though there was a lamb that was slain, it doesn't matter, I still see red. When God says, no, 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 I've made them white. I made them white. And then in that moment, we have to ask ourselves a question. Will we believe what we believe or we believe what God has said? Because for some of us, we are walking around saying we're forgiven, but walking around and identifying ourselves with crimson instead of white. And it needs to change. Because we can't become more like Jesus when we refuse to accept what Jesus has done for us. Okay? Listen, I've said this so many times, you're probably getting sick of it. It's in your notes again, but just, you got to get it. The past will paralyze you if you allow it to. The past will paralyze you. And, I, and in this context, and what we're talking about this morning, your growth and in your sanctification, you will become paralyzed. Now listen, I don't say this so that you, to, to, to belittle what has happened to you and what's gone on. I am not belittling it at all. I want you to understand the greatness of God's forgiveness and grace, which is greater than anything that you have done or anything that has been done to you. It's important that we get that. So he starts with this idea of change and this idea of being changed with this idea of not remembering the former things. And now he continues. Let's continue on now. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? So he's, he's talked here about not remembering the past, not remembering what has taken place, but now he's saying, okay, now what do we need to focus in on? So he doesn't just say, don't do this. Now he says, now this is what we need to look at. And he says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you realize that every day God wants to do something new in you? You say, Aaron, really? Are you sure about that? Absolutely. Why? Because the scripture tells us his mercies are new every morning. Every day God wants to do something new. You go, wow, God, you did something great today. That's great. Go to bed, wake up the next morning, know God wants to do something new today. Something great in you today. A lot of us in this idea of sanctification, we make the mistake that we say, you know, isn't it great that God did this thing in me a year ago? 
Isn't it great that God did this thing in me uh, six months ago? Or isn't it greater when you can take it even further and say, isn't it great that God did this great thing in me 30 years ago? God wants to do something new. 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 You realize that God doesn't want the same old same in your life. God has new things for you to experience. And here's the thing, and because we need to understand this as well. Look here what it says. After it's spoken, behold, I'm doing something new or doing a new thing. What's the next word? Note. Now. Now. You know what we typically do? God, I know you want to do a new thing. But God... I'm not ready for it. Or, or we'll, say, we'll say something like this. God, I know you want to do a new thing, but I got to get my life all fixed up first. Yeah, I got to get it all figured out. You know, I got to understand all this. You know, like, God, I know you want to do a new thing in me, but, but I, I, I don't have all the, you know, I, I don't have the books of the Bible memorized yet. So that doesn't, I, I don't count. No. Listen, God wants to do a new thing in you. Now, today, before you leave, this is what God wants for us. He wants us to understand that, that he wants us to do. He wants to do something new in us right now, in this moment. Listen, here's what that means, okay? If you walk out of here without God doing something new in you, it's not God's fault. God wants this. The question becomes, do you want it? Because here's the thing, new? I don't always like new. You know, like maybe you're one of these people, you'll go and you'll buy a new shirt. Now some people, it's like they buy a new shirt, they go take it off the rack, they put it on their body and they're out the door. But other people, they don't like new shirts because they're itchy and they don't feel, you know, they, they like that shirt they've had for a long, long time. You know, it's funny, you go to the store and they're like, buy this pair of jeans. Why? Because they feel like they've been lived in for the last six months. Like, that's a selling point to people. We don't necessarily like new. New is uncomfortable at times. New isn't always what we are used to at times. Why? Because that's what makes it new. But this is so important. That God would say, listen, I want to do something new in you. Yeah, it may be a little bit of a stretching time. It may be something a little different than you're used to. But it's God bringing the new thing. And God knows. And we can trust that. And he wants to do it now. Now let's continue on. It says, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Okay. So what we're seeing here is, yes, this idea of God wants to do something new, brand new in you every day. He wants to do it now. But now it becomes almost a question, do you not perceive it? Do you not understand it? Because here's what we can do. We can have a problem going, I, I think I understand the situation, but then it's not necessarily acted out in our everyday lives. I want you to look at this verse with me, or these couple of verses in this story of Mark 8, okay? 
In Mark 8, let me give you kind of a, uh, you need to understand the context here. Basically, in Mark 8, we have this, uh, this story where Jesus feeds a bunch of people, okay? Uh, I think it's the 4,000, I believe it's in Mark 8. I don't remember off the top of my head. Please forgive me. But basically, it's one of those where Jesus feeds the, the multitudes, okay? And so we have to understand that context, okay? Jesus has just done an unbelievable miracle, okay? Now we pick up the story, Mark 8, starting with verse number 16. It says, and they began discussing one another with one another the fact that they had no bread. Now let's stop here for a moment and just again remember the context, Jesus has just fed thousands of people. And after this, they begin to get into a boat and begin to head over. And the disciples are getting upset because they don't have any bread with them. Okay? Exactly. That was perfect timing. Like, what? Really? Okay? And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? That's what he says. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Let's continue. Are your hearts, listen, are your hearts hardened? In this verse, we see Jesus comparing a lack of understanding and perception with a hard heart. When our hearts get hard, one of the reasons we talk about hearts a lot, we're going to talk more about them next week, is it really affects so much of our lives. Okay? He said, Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Listen, when I broke the five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, next, there you go, 12. And the seven for the 4,000. How many baskets of full, uh, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? This is such, in this moment, listen, and you got to understand, Jesus is love, okay? Everything that Jesus did is rooted in his love for his disciples and for us. But this is one of those moments where, I mean, if I was a disciple, I'm I'm like, like pushing Peter in front of me. Like I'm trying to like get into the back. Why? What was the problem here? They didn't perceive it. They didn't understand. Think about what is happening. Jesus has just fed thousands of people with something extremely small, and now they're sitting there going, we don't have any bread. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, seriously, can you imagine Jesus like going, are you kidding me? Like, really? You're concerned about bread? There's, there's 13 of us with me included. I think I got it. But yet, for some of us, we live a life that way. We live a life where we refuse to understand and perceive what God is really wanting to do. We live a life that misses that. Listen, one way that God transforms us into becoming more like Him is to have a faith that is greater than the faith you have now. How should they have responded? Hey, hey man, we don't got any bread, but who cares? We got Jesus. You see, they focused on the wrong thing. They focused on what they didn't have instead of what they did have. Do you perceive it? 
Do you perceive what you have? Or are you focused on what you don't have? Next. Next. Starting, I think, believe with verse 19. God's speaking here. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make a way in the wilderness. I, I don't know. Some of you know this about my wife and I. Some of you don't. Especially before Easton came along, for obvious reasons, we did a lot of backpacking, um, which is basically camping, uh, you know, but, but not at a campsite, basically. We'll put all our stuff in our packs, and we'll just hike out to the middle of nowhere and, and have us a great time. We used to love to do that, and it was just a lot of fun and just beautiful. We loved to get away from everybody that way, and, and we really enjoyed doing that. And, and, and here's the thing. I, we learned as, as you backpack, you, you probably need to stay on the trail, okay? It's usually not a good idea to leave the trail in the wilderness because here's the thing like you can kind of like figure out you know it's like I you know I, I'm not good at this but I know some of you may be really good oh you know I got the map and the compass and and I'm gonna plot our way and we're gonna we're gonna bushwhack and we're gonna get there and all these things and what I've learned about that and here's the reason why I won't do that because it's like you can make a little mistake like a little like you could be like three degrees or you know two degrees off and, and, and over eight miles, you are way away from where you're supposed to be. What? I mean, you can get way off course really, really quickly. And so one of my favorite things is, is, is the trails. It's like, hey, we're going to get to this lake or this beautiful spot, and we know we have to stay on the trail. Here's the thing. What God here, I believe, is wanting us to see in this process of, of, of sanctification. God is making a trail for us to follow. The question becomes, are we going to follow it? You know, God wants this so bad for you. God doesn't just drop you off in the middle of nowhere and say, listen, here you are. I'm dropping you off. Sanctification is this little spot over here. Good luck. Find it. I don't know if you've ever watched the show. This is not Man vs. Wild or that type of show where Bear Grylls is just dropped in the middle of nowhere and supposedly makes it home safe every time. God doesn't work like that. God basically says, okay, Aaron, I want you to be more like Jesus. I want to sanctify you. I want you to grow every day. Here is your path. Walk the path. Walk the path way. And here's what's awesome about God, is at times when I begin to go, oh, well, you know, I'm doing good. Maybe, maybe I'll take a little detour here. God can speak to us if we'll listen, and he'll say, Aaron, Aaron, no, 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 you're going the wrong way. Walk this way. Walk in the path that I have prepared for you. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 30, 21. We're in Isaiah a lot today. Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Man, that is encouraging to me. Because it's like God saying, listen, I want this for you. I have a plan for you. I have a path for you. Just walk it. How do we do that? Man, we talked about it a little bit last week with the, with the spiritual disciplines. That's a great place to start. If you didn't hear last week's message, go back and listen to it. That's a great way to follow the path. But here's the thing that I've learned when it comes to this path situation, and this is in your notes. See, God wants to do a new thing in us and prepare us and show us, but we would rather do our own thing. 
You see, God wants us to, to experience that new thing on the path that he has provided, but we don't want necessarily his thing. We want our own thing. Whether it be we kind of sit there and go, you know what, I can handle this on my own. Oh, God, I'm good. I got this. Remember when we talked about that idea of that compass? Listen, there's a lot of really, really smart people who really know how to use compasses and all the maps and all these things. And they go, you know what, I'm good. And just a little bit of deviation can get them miles from their target. And sometimes we think, oh God, I got this. I can do it on my own. Listen, let me, let me be real clear on this. If you could do it on your own, God wouldn't have made a path. Okay? It's not a knock on you. It's not, oh, you're not super Christian. It, it's simple that God knows us and knows how easy it is to, to kind of go our own way. God wants us to become more like him and follow the path that he has brought to us. The last part of this, the last part of verse number 19 says this. He, only, he doesn't want to just do this idea of, of a path in the wilderness or a way in the wilderness, but he also wants to bring forth rivers in the desert. Rivers in the desert. When I, when I first came to Albuquerque, I had been there, um, I kind of came there, like I think beginning of March. And I was only supposed to be in Albuquerque for like six months. That was the plan uh, that we had. And I stayed there 15 years, okay? And so when I came in, to Albuquerque in March, um, like I said, I was only planning to be there for six months. So I didn't bring, I didn't move there. I didn't do any of that. I basically brought enough clothes and stuff for six months. I didn't bring furniture. I lived with someone and so on and so forth. And I remember, you know, so, so I had been in Kansas City basically for the winter. And so everything was dead and dry and all that sort of stuff. You know, winter, typical stuff. And then I went to, to Albuquerque, which is like that all year round, Okay. It's desert. Like, I, I, I love you all. I do, with all my heart. And I just got such a kick out of you all when we first moved here. And they were like, oh, well, this is high desert. And I'm like, <laughs> like, why are you laughing? Oh, I don't know. There's grass right there. What do you mean? Well, there isn't where I'm from. You know, I mean, there wasn't any grass. And so I, I love you. But, you know, I, I, you know, it's like, oh, it's so dry here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's dry. Yeah. How much rain did you get in Albuquerque last year? Like an inch? You mean, you mean in like March? No, like for the year, you know. It's dry. And it's, it's very khaki. Very khaki. Okay, not a lot of green, you know. And so I, I actually came back to Kansas City um, when I was found out I was going to be actually living there permanently. And I came back to Kansas City at like the end of May, right before it really starts to get hot in Kansas City. And so it was springtime. I remember I flew in. And, I mean, it was just explosion of green. For whatever reason, I don't remember why, we took a different route from the airport. We actually went over the Missouri River, which is, tip, you know, you can do that from, from the airport because we were doing something. And I remember as we were doing this, I just kept making this comment to my parents who picked me up. I said, it's just so green here. It's just so green here. It's just so green here. And what was interesting is I made that comment and I remember exactly where we were on the road. I don't know why, maybe this for this message. I don't know why I remember it. But as we're crossing the Missouri River, okay, like, I don't know if you've ever crossed the Mississippi or the Missouri or a big, I mean, th these are big, big rivers. Water, like you haven't seen. 
moving downstream. And here's what's interesting is by those rivers, it was just lush and green. And so I came from this desert, and all of a sudden, the next thing I'm seeing is this green rivers. I don't know about you, but when I think about rivers, I think about water. I think about life. I think about nourishment. I think about flowers. I think about all the things that that river produces, or even a stream, whatever. And then when I think of the desert, I think of, of, of brown and sand and, and not a lot of life. And in this scripture, God sits here and he says, listen, listen, not only am I going to give you a path, but I'm going to bring forth rivers in your deserts. I'm going to bring forth rivers in your deserts. I'm going to bring forth nourishment and refreshment like you've never experienced before. The people that heard this in Isaiah, they knew what it was to be in a dry place. And when they heard this concept of a river, they just see this rushing thing. Look at this. I love this. Look at Acts 3.19. This is what it says. 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. There's that idea again of regeneration, everything new, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. What do I believe God wants us to see and understand? It's in your notes because it's so important. God wants to bring new life, nourishment, and restoration to the dry, dead places in our lives. You know what I've learned about every human being I've ever found? It doesn't matter how long they've known Jesus. It doesn't matter how close they are to him. There are always places that are dry and dead in their lives. Always. Now, some are huge, some are small, but there are areas in our lives that God wants to say, listen, you don't have to live in that dead, dry place. I want to bring a river through it. Now, think about that picture. Think about what happens, okay? Think of that sandy, dry, desolate place. God wants to bring a river through that, okay? He wants it to rush in. Basically, when a river comes into an area, listen, it destroys the area around it. Why? Because the power of the water, the power of the river is so much greater than the power of the dryness. You get it? And it's interesting to me that in Scripture, many, many times, this idea of water, this idea of a river, is this idea of the Holy Spirit coming in. And what I believe very strongly is I don't care how dry your world is. I don't care how dead your world is. When the Holy Spirit comes in like a river, it overwhelms the dryness. It overwhelms the death. It overwhelms the, 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 the places in our hearts that seem dry and desolate. When the Holy Spirit comes in like a river. When God says, I'm bringing this river into these dry areas of your heart and in your life. You know, it's interesting to me that the, 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 the order of these verses. We start with this, this one, and then we move to the next, and we move to the next, and we move to the next, and all of them kind of build on each other. 
of what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives through this change in sanctification. So let's, like I said before, let's close with some kind of application. Let's close with some questions that we need to consider with this understanding as we broke down this verse in Isaiah, what we need to do. So let's look at these together. Number one, can we allow God to help us not remember the former things? Now now notice the wording here. This is something that for a lot of us, God has to do in our hearts. We try sometimes to forget the former things, but listen, only God can make things that are scarlet become white. And a lot of times we want to fix it. I'll forget, I'll forget, I'll, no, it, it just doesn't work that way. And a lot of us lived in, live in bondage and a lot of us live in slavery to the past because we somehow think that we can forget when we're not created to do so. The person that brings death to life is not you, it's Jesus. So we have to allow him to help us in this area. Now, do we partner with him? Absolutely. But we have to look to him. So can we allow God to help us not remember the former things? Number two, can we accept that God wants to do something new in our hearts and that he wants to do it now? Okay, listen, hear me this, because this is sometimes where we get tripped up, okay? Because a lot of times we, 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 we kind of memorialize the past We memorialize what God has done. And so because of that, if we accept kind of the new thing that God wants to do, it's like for some of us, we kind of feel like we're kind of cheapening the old, which is not what God does. God doesn't want to bring something new because basically the old is not good. He did the new thing back then because it was new. He wants to do something new to build upon what he's already done. Okay? So in some ways, the new is honoring what God's done because he couldn't do the new if the old hadn't taken place already. So again, in this journey of sanctification, we need to know that God wants to do something new and that God doesn't want to do it when you got it all figured out. God doesn't want to do it when you got a bunch of scripture memorized. Not that that's not a good thing. Don't misunderstand me. But God wants to do those things today, now. We love these verses that we see on bumper stickers. Oh, God's mercies are new every morning. Really? Well, then why aren't you seeing them every morning? Why? Because you don't understand that God wants to do something new and he wants to do it now. New and now. New and now. Every morning when you wake up, new and now. Some of you need to get a sticky note. Stick it on your mirror, stick it on your car, drive, you know, your, your steering wheel, wherever you're going to see it, to remind yourself, new and now, every day, new and now. Number three, we need to understand and follow the direction that God has provided for us, okay? Again, the great map that we have is our scripture, okay? I'm not going to get into last week. If you want to hear last week, go back and hear last week. But that direction that we get from God's word, the direction that we get from the spiritual disciplines of prayer and serving and giving and solitude, Bible reading and study, all these things give us that direction. And so we have to follow that. Listen, it's not going to do you a lick of good to have a trail that you refuse to follow. You're still going to get lost. We've got to allow that to happen in our lives. And then the last one, can we allow God to refresh 
and restore the dry places in our hearts. You know what I've learned about me? I'm just going to speak for me. And and I'm sure that others of us deal with this too. As silly as this sounds, and again, that's why I'm speaking for me, I get accustomed to the desert. I get accustomed to the desert. When we, when Em and I lived in Albuquerque, um, you know, like I said, it's very dry there. And and I remember we would go home for or go back to Kansas City um, to visit my family or whatever. And it was like it was crazy. There was so much moisture in the air. You know, Em's hair would curl. You know, my my hands would be like, oh, I put I put lotion on. No, it's just the moisture. You know, and I mean, like you know. It would literally change us, literally, physically change us, the moisture. But we, we, we can get so accustomed to the dryness that we think that's normal. We think that's what God has. We think that there, it's okay to have dead, dry places in our lives. When God says, no, it isn't okay. I got something better for you. I got something greater for you. And so for some of us, we just need to go to the Father and say, you know what? I need, there's some dry places in my heart that I need you to restore. There's some, some dead areas in my life that I need you to speak life into and bring the power and the water of your Holy Spirit to come and change us. In a lot of ways, when we look at these things, and we've talked about it before, so much of this happens in our hearts. So much of this is about what God wants to do inside of us and change us from the inside out. We talked about it last, uh, the first week, this concept of, of how so many times the world looks at change and looks at that change and we say, oh, it starts from the outside in. When God says, no, you need to understand it happens from the inside out. There's something so powerful about understanding what God desires to do in us and through us. But we have to understand that God wants it to start from inside of you and me. He doesn't want to just change the outside and the clothes. He wants to do something so great in you and change you so much that literally the outside is changed as well. So that people go, man, there is just something about you. Where does that happen? It happens inside of us. It happens in our heart. Sanctification has been and will always be a work of the heart. Now, when our hearts are changed, there are actions that take place, but it starts there. If we want God to complete this work in you and me, that's where we have to focus. I remember when I was a kid growing up in the church that we grew up in, um, we used to sing a song. And uh, so it's, it's, it's an older song. It's not crazy old, but I think it came out in the 80s. Um, but it was a song, and the title of it was Change My Heart, O oh God. And today, as we uh, kind of bring this all to a close, um, I'm going to pray. And then I want us to close with this song. 
and, and as we've talked about this idea of brand new and brand spanking new, um, one of the things that we need to understand is, is God wants to do this in you and me. The question is, do we? And so I want this to just to be a prayer for us, you know. I want it to be something that as we stand in a moment and sing this together, that it's, it's more than just a song. It's, it's literally a prayer that says, God, will you change me? Will you, will you take me in this step today of sanctification? Will you, will you bring a new thing in me today? And so that we'll allow that to be the case, okay? So can you do me a favor? Let's all stand. I'm just going to pray, and then as soon as I finish our prayer, we're going to hit the, the song, and we're just going to, like I said, it's, it's not very long. I think the, the one I picked out is just a couple minutes, and it's a very simple song. Many of you know it already, but the words will be up on the screen if you need it. But again, I, I pray that, that it would be more than just a song this morning. It would be a prayer. So Father, we come to you right now, and we thank you that you love us so much, that you desire to make us more like you. God, I thank you for regeneration. I thank you for that moment when all the past is gone. Behold, everything is new. But Jesus, I also thank you for the progressive work of brand spanking new. That idea of sanctification, that idea of allowing you to come and partner with us to become more and more new, more and more like you. And Father, whether it be that we need to just allow you to bring some, some life and some water into some dead areas, whether it's be that we just need to follow your path and your plan, Father, whether it's we need to really accept the new thing and accept it and know that you want to do it now, Father, whatever it is, Whatever it is, and Father, if we need to forget the, the past, the former things that are holding us back and paralyzing us from moving forward in your process of sanctification, whatever it is, Father, I pray that you would help us to partner with you in that. Father, as we come to you now as a family, God, I just pray that as this song plays and as we sing this song together, that, that it would be a prayer from our hearts and that you would come and change us, make us brand spanking new from the inside out. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. 
so thankful that you love us right where we are at. But Father, I am so thankful that you love us so much that you don't want us to stay there. And Father, I pray that this would be, it's such a simple song, but it's so powerful. Change our hearts, God. Don't change him to be like Aaron's heart or Randy's heart or Megan's heart. We need our hearts to be like your heart. And we know that's a process and we know that's a journey. But Father, I pray that today, the new that you want to do in our hearts today, we give you we yield to that right now. And Father, when we wake up tomorrow, help us to yield to the new that you want to do then. So change us. Make us more like you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Well, again, we want to thank you so much for being here. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. Remember, this Wednesday, prayer, 7 o'clock, and ladies, 6.30 on Thursday for uh, your time together. So hope that you can be there. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.